flock. I'm not into that school. How can my flock do better? How can the flock do, uh, 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 have more themselves, and then they can also give more away? Not only to the church that does the, ministry of the, the, that does the work of the ministry, but also to Don Babin, who's coming in two weeks, and who's doing a marvelous job in, in uh, uh, Maasai land in Kenya, and yet he has to come over here and slave it, go to churches and, and, and talk and work and talk and work to try to raise money to be able to go to over there to get Maasai saved. So I'm thinking if, if the flock has more money, we can bless him and he doesn't have to work there like crazy, go into the bush and drive like a, a crazy person all over the place where there's not even roads. Uh, and then come here and work again and slave it again. Uh, how about if we can support him? So anyway, that is where, where, I, where I live. How can the ministers, the, the people have more so they can give more to the places where they need to give and the places that they want to give? Okay, stewardship. Um, we talked about worship. And we talked about the idea that uh, in so many places, it seems like people's worship Depends on the people on stage. Ought not to be. You should be able to worship in your living room, in your car, with or without music. The music just is incidental in a way, except that I will fully agree that the music facilitates your worship, right? Uh, you enjoy the music and you let yourself go and then you worship God. But beautiful music is not necessarily worship. Worship is worship. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and we talked about pleasing God and not yourself. There's a big difference when you set your mind, that you set your purpose in pleasing God, or, ah, I don't care, I'll just please myself. And the, the results of that life are very predictable. Yes. The beauty that God values. We talked about an inner beauty and an outer beauty. And if all that you got is outer beauty, it ain't much. It ain't much to hold you up. It ain't much to sustain you. It ain't much to, that, that, that will last because we know that as we get older, the beauty seems to disappear. Huh? For some, for some, for some, you know. Yeah, for some. <clears throat> uh, and... You know, you, you sometimes see a picture, you, 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 you see somebody, and then you see a picture from when they were 18 or 90 years old, you say, the same person. Uh, but yet, the inner beauty becomes more and more beautiful. And you don't have to pay for anything. So, the, the beauty that God values, it's the inner beauty that God values. And ultimately... It is the inner beauty that you value because that is the thing that lasts. And that is the thing that makes for good relationships and a good life here on earth in a victorious way. Uh, we talked about joy and how readily Christian folks that have all the reasons in the world to be joyful, right? What are some of the reasons that you should be joyful about? Eternal life. Amen. I got up this morning. Hey, <laughs> That's a reason to be joyful. Uh, and yet, 
when we as Christian folks, how readily is our joy stunted? Boom, just like that. Somebody can just say, walk in and say something ugly to you. <laughs> You're down for a while. Two or three weeks or whatever. Or your spouse is, 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 is not, you know, nice to you or whatever. And you just carry on for a week being defeated and giving them the shoulder and, and an eye roll and an attitude. How long? When we talk about forgiveness, I have a message for you. Uh, so, then today I was going to talk about the problem is the other person, which it's not, but that's just the title of the thing, right? <laughs> uh, uh, but I, <laughs> I don't, I don't uh, uh, think that we'll have time for it because I want to sp- speak this morning about agape love. Now, it just so happens that Gary taught on it in Sunday school and he did a fabulous job. And I am thinking, he sort of apologized to me that, Pastor, I took your sermon. and No, no, no. Repetition is wonderful. Wonderful, one. And then secondly, this just shows that the Holy Spirit is working. This is the message that the people need. You know, so, uh, no, I'm, I'm 100% good. So, but, you know, when we're talking about love, and we're talking about what the Scriptures teach about love, it is a high bar, yes? Because this is God's love we're talking about. That is a high bar, brothers and sisters. So, but often, well, not often, almost always, if not always, people are thinking, I, 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 I can't do it. The bar is too high. You're right, you can't do it. <laughs> if not the Holy Spirit is doing it through you, it won't happen. It's his job, the Holy Spirit's job, to, uh, to give you, if you're yielding to him, to give you that love, put it on the inside, and we're going to talk about it in just a little bit, put it on the inside of you, so that you have that love to share with other people, because God wants a testimony on the face of the earth of his love for people. And he wants to use you to show it to the people. And my brothers and sisters, in truth, that is a humongous honor for us to be able to represent God that way. That way. So, um, so then, when the bar is that high, I don't want you to be discouraged. I, I, it's just too much. No, no, no. If you just yield to the Holy Spirit, He will take you there without any gymnastics. He'll just take you there. Just yield to Him. So, the things that I want to talk about uh, this morning concerning agape love is one, explaining agape love. There is, there's some things to be said about agape love. It's not just oh, unconditional, sacrificial love. That's part of it. But it's, it's bigger than that. Um, agape love. So, uh, Jesus speaks about a new love. I want you to love a, a new commandment I give unto you. I want you to love in a different way, in a new way, in a bigger way than the old kind of love. A new commandment I give unto you. Okay? We'll get to that in just a little bit. And talk, we'll talk about unconditional and sacrificial. And we'll talk about a, lo- a love that is not complacent. Oh, I love you. Don't you know I love you? No? What have you done lately to show me that you love me? 
you know. And I, I, I have good reason to believe that you love me. You're kind and nice to me. But th- th- there's more to this love thing. It is not complacent. Uh, second the point is that the scriptures speak to the fact that love is the evidence of discipleship. It is the evidence that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Agape love. It is not just phileo love or eros kind of love, erotic kind of love. Uh, it, is, it, it speaks of the, about the agape love, that that is uh, part of the, the proof of the evidence. Uh, then I, I talk a little bit about tough love. We have all heard about tough love, what that looks like. And then I have a little title over that that says, Love is Tough. And I want to explain that to you, what I mean by that. And then we want to talk briefly about what is our greatest goal as Christians? Oh, I was just going to say it to you, but anyways. And then fifthly, God's training. That God, because he wants us to love like he loves, he doesn't just give it to us by his Holy Spirit, boom, and puts it in us. He puts it in us in its potential, but that love needs to be developed, right? It needs to be developed in good judgment. It needs to be developed in purity. Love must be sincere. Love must be pure. So, uh, in Romans, the 12th chapter. So, the love needs to be developed in us. And it's a journey, this agape love. And God wants us to get better at it. And He is more than willing to give us training. But you know what we do with the training? When he provides the opportunity, we get upset. We get mad at the person that he's using to train us. (laughs) We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So, uh, the scripture that we are looking for initially is uh, John 13, 34, and 35. We have that over here. And, and, and so, this is what John is saying. Uh, Jesus speaking. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. 35 says this. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. So then, you know, when I have a scripture like this, I, I underline some things, right, uh, with a red pen. So I have it in, in, in my notes, I have it like uh, highlighted, in other words, with dark letters. I have it highlighted with yellow. I have it italicized. And then I underline some words that, that I feel like stand out, that I need to pay attention to. And so... This is, uh, can you go back to 34? So we'll talk first about this new commandment. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. So that is a new commandment. He calls it a new commandment. Do you believe it is a new commandment? Well, Jesus said so. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Uh, So you don't have to believe it, but (laughs) it's, whether you believe it or not, it's true. Um. a new commandment. Because the old commandment love was sort of like a 50-50 kind of a love. Love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus didn't love that guy. 
Jesus loved with a 100% kind of a love. He gave himself completely away for us. So, okay, <laughs> that kind of a love is what he's talking about. A new commandment I give unto you. So, in the early days, most of the disciples were Jewish folks, right? And it was the Jewish folks who received all these commandments. And so when he says, I'm giving you a new commandment, he freaked some of them out, I'm sure. But it was a new commandment nevertheless. And he says, this is the new commandment, that you should love one another the way I have loved you. So, in my, in my notes, I have new commandment. I give. And, yeah. And that you love one another as I loved you. 35. Then I underline by this. Because I want to know what this is. <laughs> by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. So, let's first talk about by this. What does this mean? Okay, can you be more specific? Right, the, the kind of love Jesus is speaking of. Uh, by this, the, the, he refers back to loving one another as I have loved you, Jesus speaking. So he says then, so, and, and this love that he's speaking over here is a particular Greek word that means, that is agape. We speak of as agape love. You've heard it all your Christian life, I'm sure. But to, this morning I want to come from a little bit different angles so that we get a, a greater understanding of what I believe God is saying in his word concerning agape love. Um, agape love is often described as sacrificial, unconditional love. I'm going to define it sort of like uh, the love that the Holy Spirit uh, produces in the believer who yields himself or herself to him. The yielded believer. If you're not yielding yourself, God wants to work with you, but you're not getting the message. Uh, you still want to love the, your own way, which ain't no worky. It doesn't work, my brothers and sisters. God's love is the only kind of love that shows the other person that you deeply care for them at your own expense, at your own sacrifice, and there's no conditions to it. I'll get there. So, and he says, by this shall all men know. This is the proof, this is the proof that you are my disciples. But I'm not there yet because we're going to talk about the proof, the evidence, in just a little while. So let's talk about the agape love as we know it as being uh, like unconditional. Unconditional. I want us to have an understanding of what it means unconditional. I say, well, I know what it means. There's no conditions. I want us to have a deeper, deeper understanding. 
because the way we love seems to me from where I'm looking almost always, if not always, conditional. If you want proof, I can't prove it now because I can't call you an ugly name here in front of everybody. If I call you an ugly name, you won't love me all that much. If your spouse calls you an ugly name, you won't love him or her all that much. There's immediately an attitude in the home that, poof, oh, but I thought you were going to love unconditionally. Well, it's a good theory. (laughs) I like what Jesus says. (laughs) But, uh, unconditional. Part of what it means is that the love comes from God himself. That there is nothing outside of God that can provoke him to love you. To love you more or to love you less. Nothing. The love is strictly something that is his that he shares with us. Not because we're nice people. He didn't choose Israel because they were nice people. Jesus himself called them stiff-necked people. But yet God chose them. So God loved them. God loves us, not because we have something to offer God. Get, get, Get this right, brothers and sisters. We have nothing to offer God except ourselves. If you think you have, that you're such a good person, go sit with God at the table. You have a covenant with him. And when you walk away, see how long that covenant lasts. See how long it takes before you have an ugly thought in your mind. And that will cure us. Because, you see, if God loves us for us being so good, that would instantly make it conditional love. <laughs> it's no more unconditional love. God doesn't need a reason to love us. There is no reason that there is in the universe for God to love us, except that God is love. Yet it seems to me that us... We, all that we're looking for is a reason to love somebody. And they give us a, if they give us a reason, bad enough, we won't love them anymore. Or at least, we won't show it. And this happens all over the place, brothers and sisters. All over the place. So, I, 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 uh, unconditional love. Unconditional love. And is it difficult to love like that? Well, yes, I know. If you, in, if you make your flesh part of it, very difficult. Excuse me, impossible. But, This is what we, part of what we need to understand, brothers and sisters. 
is that God has a stake. God has a big interest. God has a, a stake in that. He wants on the face of the earth the people who call themselves his children. Yes? They need to represent him well. They need to be good ambassadors. There's a new fashion going around that says that, okay, it is not represent, it is uh, uh, represent. Okay? Okay. I'll give you three. How about that? Represent so that we are good ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Represent so that we, in our lives, present him again. Represent. Then I'll I'll give you the third one. (laughs) If you want to be a little fancy with words, I I say, re-present. So that we, by our lives, we make Jesus present again. But God has a stake at this. this. So, don't you think that, this is hypothetical, you know, you know, I can't, I can't say it with you because you're a good sport and everything like that. Um, that if Doyle is ugly to me, he would never be, he's never been, not even close. That, so that's why I can, I can say this, uh, hypothetically. So if, if Doyle is ugly to me, yes, then I'm thinking, well, Doyle is difficult to love. Well, if he's ugly to me, he's difficult to love. has nothing to do with it as far as God is concerned. He tells me I should love him. He doesn't tell me, well, if, if he's late for the appointment, if he has bad breath, if he uh, is not dressed properly, if his hair is not combed. I'm sorry, I, I didn't open it. <laughs> then I have a reason not to love him. There is not such a thing in the Scriptures. It is unconditional. Amen. There is no condition. There is no reason required. God just wants us to love with his kind of love. And if he's ugly to me, it is difficult. And I say to God, God, will you help me love Doyle? Because for me, it is so difficult. Will God help me? He's all over it. That's what he's about. That's what he wants. And he tells us that for his children over and over and over and over again. That's what he wants us to do. And he has a stake in it, and he'll help us all the way. Because we could never do it ourselves. Uh, and then the, sacrifice, the sacrificial part. Let me, let me just go here to my notes a little bit so I can read you a little list. Um, are you willing to sacrifice your pride, your ways, your rest, your convenience, your break that you otherwise are going to enjoy, watch a little television or whatever, uh, your liking, your preference, your time, your space, your chair, your seat, your money, your gift, your present, whatever. Are you willing to sacrifice that for somebody else? i tell you a story. Um, I was sharing with a, a, a couple friend of mine, man and his wife. 
And I don't know why we came on the subject. Maybe we're talking. Oh, she asked me this. You still, doing, you still do sewing machines for people in foreign lands? I say, absolutely. We do it for people in Ghana. We do it for people in my home country. And there is another country that I don't want to name uh, that we do it for. And there is a pastor from that country that is, that is over here that I know very well. Uh, and he has a large number of churches that he oversees. And he preaches to them from here by Skype because he cannot go home. They'll kill him. Yeah, he's being persecuted for his faith. He has a sewing center where he's from. And so we're trying to raise money to buy sewing machines for him to put in the sewing center so that the women, the Christian women over there, can come to the center and get trained for six months. They get trained in sewing and how to do a little bit of a business and and selling and, and these type of things how to maintain the machine, and, and these type of things. If they stay there for six months, they walk out of there with a sewing machine to start their own business. So that they don't have to work for locals that would otherwise rape them, abuse them, maybe even kill them, and nobody would care. So, when... I told him a little bit about that story. She told her husband. This year, she told her husband. So, I act like I'm her and you're the husband. Uh, this year, what I want for my Christmas present is I want a sewing machine to one of the village women in that country. Just like that. She gave up her Christmas present. For a, a pastor whom she doesn't know, let alone a person in that country whom she, whom she doesn't know. Just gave it up like that. Sacrificial. What are, what are we willing to give up to, to show love for, to somebody else? What am I giving up? What am I willing to give up to show my wife that I love her? What am I willing to give up to show Nicholas that I love him? Sacrificial. Then the, the, the third part of this, this, uh, uh, this love thing is that love is not complacent. Uh, let us look at John 3.16 for just a second. And this is probably the best known verse in the scriptures people that have become Christians, that have gone to Sunday school since they were five years old. You know, I didn't have that blessing to go to Sunday school when I was five years old. I didn't get saved till I was almost 25 years old. So I missed out a lot. Uh, anyways, I don't have to go there. But uh, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, that's it, right? I paused too long, so I, 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 okay. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So it, it's, it's, on, it's on, on the screen. For God so loved the world 
you know, this is a very familiar scripture. So I feel like sometimes we take that scripture sort of for granted. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed him should not perish. And we don't stop and think, what does this mean? Because it means a great deal to me. That God would love me so much. You know that song, Hannah, uh, Gracie, that you guys sing, uh, what king has come down of the throne and gave himself for it. What is the name of it? How many kings? How many fathers have given up their sons for, for me? How many kings have come down just to uh, uh, identify with me? It's a glorious song. I can't remember all the words, obviously, but every time I hear it, I think, wow. And then the young people sing it, and they sing it with such fervor, such passion, it moves me every time. What king? But the king over all kings and the Lord over all lords. He gave himself for me. It'd be be pretty fine if it was an earthly king that gave his son for me. I, I think he loves me. But for the king of kings to do that. And he says, so he loved me so much that he did something for me. So love moves people. To do something for the one that they say that they love. Right? Is that a fair statement? Is that a fair statement? Are you sure? Okay. <laughs> you're still thinking about it. Okay, I know, I know. Okay, you're, you're, you're pondering. Is that? Uh, so, it is not complacent. He's willing to, to, he is going to do something for us because his love pro- propels him to do it. Hey, folks. He can't help himself. He's going to do something for us. And he wants us to be at a place where we can't help ourselves. (laughs) We're going to do something for the one that we say we love. Sybil, she can't help herself. My wife is named Sybil. Uh, She can't. uh, Let's see here. This is in two weeks. We'll be married 46 years. No, no applause. But, 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 but you, know, you know, the thing about it is, I, I'm a pastor, so I counsel a lot of people that honeymoon, whew, mountaintop. And after that, ding, 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 ding. And I'm thinking, there's something wrong with that picture, right? When a man says at the, the, the wedding ceremony uh, that he loves her, and he's 19 or 20 years old or 21, he has no clue what that means. Not a clue. When I tell people that, they say, oh, pastor. Oh, brother, I'm I'm telling you at the ceremony, hey, if you're a man of God, then you're going to study and research what that means so that you will grow in your love, that 10 years from now you love her in a deeper way than you did today. And 20 years from now, even deeper. My bride, Sybil, she can't help herself. 
to make me some hot tea. Because she knows I enjoy it. Honey, would you like some hot tea? Oh, honey, you read my mind. I love them. Because your hot tea is always tastes better than my hot tea. Your ice cream, it must be the way you scoop it or whatever. I don't do so much. It's always better than my ice cream. Uh, so where am I? <laughs> I stray sometimes. Sorry. Uh, so, yeah. So, I, I, let's just say this. Uh, let's give a few examples uh, of that you're going to do something. Uh, can you say a nice word to somebody? Let me go with the, the household for, for just a little bit, then I'll go from there. Can you do some dishes? Get up with the baby in the middle of the night. Watch the children for a little while. Give a food rub. I'm speaking mostly for the husbands to give the wives a food rub. Okay, not the other way around, but the other way around is fine too. A back scratch, a massage, write a note, help. I'm going out of the household. Help a brother, help a sister. Give a gift, monetarily or otherwise. Give time. Do a ministry. We're doing some ministries here at the church. A nursing home ministry. Remix sale. I had lunch with a friend. Sibra and I had lunch with a friend, and uh, he had a client with him. He's a, an attorney, and he wants to help <clears throat> in some way with the ministry and so on and so forth. And I was telling him about our church doing a remix sale and having enough money that every child in the Glen Oak apartment could have a present for Christmas. Every single one of them. He says, hey, you have to remember that. You have to tell that story many times. Because I might be able to get you some grants for just that story. Hey, you might sell that money. Jeff sold me on it. Well, this is what you did. And you know what it means for children that otherwise would not have a Christmas present? For them to get a Christmas present? It lights up their face. It lights up the parents' faces for the children to have something. Remage sale. Build a stable for a Christmas cantata. Uh, lead a cantata. Some people have cleaned the church for free for years. Now, do you doubt their love for their brothers and their sisters? Uh, some people have just recently cleaned. On and on and on. For the well-being and the welfare and the benefit of those they say they love. Yes. I'm not my second point. What time is it? Huh? It's, it's noon. Okay, okay, okay. 
So the second point is that love is also the evidence. So is the heater working okay for you? It's, a little, it's, a little, it's working too okay, huh? Uh, so, uh, uh, I don't know what we need to do about it, brother. A little, a little. I, I'm good. I, I, I'm from the tropics. So <laughs> when I preached in my home country, I... I, prom- I, I, I usually have a hanky. I learned that from my father. I have a hanky in my pocket. Hanky was not enough. I took a towel with me. <laughs> a towel with me. So, then, the, the, we talked a little bit about the evidence, right? That was my second point, but I, 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 I dealt with it already a little bit. That the, the, the love that we have for one another... That is the evidence that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. Yes, we read it in, in uh, 15, thank you, 15. See, now we're fancy. He can, he can do that from his seat, remotely, fix the, fix the AC. So, uh, whew, we're fancy, huh? Ooh. Uh, where was I? Um, we talked about the evidence. So that the way we love one another, Jesus is saying, that will be the proof to all men that we are his disciples. So I want to clarify something a little bit because there are different terms in the scriptures and different terms that we use. And there is a term called convert. And there's a term called disciple. And they are not the same. Okay? A convert is somebody who has, for example, last week we were privileged to see our sweet angel over here. She made a decision and came to the Lord. And she was saved, gloriously saved. She is a convert. She's been saved for about a week or so. She might have believed even before then. So maybe she she believed a little bit longer. Last week is when she made it public. Um, So she's a convert and has a lot of growing to do to become a disciple. Because a convert... Doesn't know very much yet how, how to walk with the Lord. Doesn't know anything about the Holy Spirit yet much. So they are a convert, and now they are like a babe in Christ, and they need to grow, become a child in Christ. Then they grow to become a teenager in Christ. Oh, that's a dangerous place. Teenagers in Christ are just about the same as teenagers in, 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 in the world. Teenagers in Christ, they think also that they know it all. I'm not talking about teenagers. I'm talking about teenagers in Christ. So a 40, 40 or 50-year-old man could be a teenager in Christ because he hasn't been saved that long. He's been saved for a few years. And now since he knows a few things, he, knows, he thinks he knows it all. <clears throat> what I've discovered over the years is that the more I know, the more I know that I don't know. Amen. Just, that's, just, that's just the way it goes. Uh, so so he, he, Jesus is not talking about somebody who just came to Jesus, just, who was just saved. That's a convert. He's talking about life disciples. Those who are following him in best they can in every way that they can. And he says, those ones, they, the proof that they are a disciple, the proof that they are there is that they love one another as I have loved. And he says, that is how people will know that you're my disciple. 
strikes me a little funny. I, I don't know if this is the right logic or not. But if he says that this, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Does it then mean, logically speaking, that if you don't show that love, that you may not be a disciple? Is that, is that logic? Okay, so I'm I just, I just, just checking with you to see if my thinking is right. So, now I'm not talking about perfection, right? I've never been in perfection whatsoever. But I've been in consistency that when you love like Jesus loves, it's not an exception. That is basically the rule. When you don't love like he loves, that is an exception. Evidence. I, I better move along. The other points are not, not as long, so, uh, but, but let's, let's see this. So, now, the third point is tough love versus love is tough. Tough love. Tough love is, you know, you, you've used that term uh, often, T- tough love. Tough love is when you need to bring a little bit of hurt to somebody in some form or fashion. A little bit of hurt, not mean, not nasty, not obnoxious, but kindly. Yes? Is that possible? That kindly in a kind way, because it it speaks in the scriptures about correction and rebuke and these type of things. And we do those in a kind way. Otherwise, it is not godly rebuke and godly correction. Then it just becomes venting. But that's not what God is talking about when he talks about correction. So, when you bring correction, that, that, that is not the most pleasant experience. Except when you are correcting a mature Christian, then they receive it gladly because they know it is true. So, uh, tough love. My parents have administered on me tough love on occasion. Once or twice. So, at home, I would get, in middle school, you get wake bukje. Wake means week. Bukje means little book. So, there was a little notebook, a little notebook that went home with you that your parents had to sign about your grades and your conduct. My grades, thank God, were always pretty good. But my conduct, not so often. So, there was in my wake bukje, there was a note about my conduct that I knew my parents would not like. But there was a party to go to on Saturday night. So, I told my parents a lie. No way book you this weekend. And then ultimately, I signed the thing myself. I hear you. You feel for me. <laughs> I feel for me. <laughs> so they sent me home. I rode my bike home. It was about 15 or so minutes, 17, maybe 20 if there was some traffic. I rode my bicycle home. and had plenty of time to think about the consequences of what I had done. <laughs> and I got home. And I got into the gate. I got by the gate and I looked down straight ahead like this. And we had the mango tree over there, plenty of shade. We had a dog named Teddy. And I said out loud, but to myself and to Teddy, Teddy, 
you don't know how good you have it. <laughs> I went in the house, and my grandmother who lived with us says, what are you doing here? I say, oh, grandma, <laughs> such and such. She says, your dad is going to be upset with you. Grandma, I know. I've been thinking about the consequences. Thank God it was not that bad, but it was bad enough. Two weeks, no tennis. And it killed my dad to keep me from the tennis school for two weeks because you know how much I love to go play tennis. More than anything else. Girls or water or friends or tennis. That, 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 at that time in my life, that's how it was. I, I, I won't tell you the truth. So it killed my dad to do it. But he knew that he wanted me to learn not to cheat anymore. He wants to turn me into a, a better person. So tough love. But now then, the other kind that, that I just titled, love is tough. Love is tough. Let me go to my notes because I don't want to miss something. And I, and I want to go faster so I can finish this thing up. Love is tough. Um, so what I try to say with love is tough is that love, regardless of the circumstances, love endures. It does not throw in the towel. It hangs in there. Does not give up. Love is tough. I have asked, because I was going to share this with you today, I've asked some people, what do you think of when you hear the word love? So the usual words, sacrifice and unconditional and so on and so forth. Some people said romantic. Some people said kind and nice and, and all these kind of words. But I've come to the conclusion that there is an angle on love that we don't often think of, that we ought to give consideration to and think about. That is to say, um, that love does not quit. Love does not give up. And so, I come to the conclusion that when it comes to love, we need to be purposeful with it. We need to be intentional with it. I'm going to give you some examples a little bit for, for that makes maybe a little bit, a little bit more sense. That we, we, we get to choose whether we're going to love or not. Because remember, God is on our side. He has a stake in it. So he's going to help us out. So if we make the choice and say, God help me, boom, he'll be there. No? Is that your understanding? Okay. So that is my understanding wherever I read in the scriptures, particularly in the New Testament. So, uh, so there's no reason, even though it is difficult. Yes, is it sometimes difficult? When someone's not nice to you, it's difficult. Okay, but you choose to love that person. Is your wife sometimes not nice to you? Or your husband sometimes not nice to you? That, 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 it's a common thing. But you get to choose. So you have to be intentional, and you have to, be, uh, 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 you have to purpose in your heart to do such a thing. So, so let me give you some situations that I think that the idea of romance and romantic, the idea of kind and nice, the idea of easy are out, out of the window. Let me give you a couple of ideas. Uh, 
when your spouse goes through a bad season, do you choose to love him or her? When your spouse or business partner makes a mistake that costs a ton, when Jesus is asking you to love your enemies, is that romantic? My dear brothers and sisters, if you don't choose to do it, you won't do it. You have to be deliberate and intentional about it, that I'm going to love this person. And that can happen in a home, no problem. Let somebody say something really ugly to somebody else that they're married to, and the other person who's, who's been spoken to like that, you need to purpose in your heart that you to love that person. Otherwise, it's easy to just take a, how you call that? A fit trip. Not like fit like, like this, but throwing a fit. Uh, and a pity party and these type of things. You have to purpose. And this is what the Lord wants to do. Now, let me ask you this. Do you, does your heart overflow with emotions for your enemy? Or do you have, <laughs> towards your enemy, I should say, uh, 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 pleasant emotions? Uh, uh, no. No. You have to make that choice. You have to purpose it. Uh, you have to be intentional. Uh, I was thinking this week. What if your spouse gets Alzheimer's? Would that be easy? When, when you try to, in my case, if, if it would be my spouse, that would be, be simple, of course. I, I, I go and I, and I go, hey, honey, how are you, sweetie? And she said, who are you? I don't know you. But okay, honey, I, let me give you, ah, somebody wants to attack me. Would that be easy? My dear brothers and sisters, this is the angle I want to bring to you in the love of God. Because God keeps loving. But we will have a hard time. And if we're not intentional about it, we won't do it. Uh, have you ever seen a, a movie called The Notebook? Who, who has seen it? Is, isn't that a glorious movie? Huh? Yes. Uh, or, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to close here-ish. Almost, almost. Or when your husband or, or your spouse is in prison. Let me tell you what the norm is. What the norm is when your spouse is in prison. Your spouse and comes to visit you, boom, first month. And you're happy and you, the guard is asking you, hey, what is going on? And ah, my, my, my spouse loves me. That's why they come to visit. And the guards will tell you, oh, give it a few months. In about a year, they will serve you divorce papers because it's over. They're not coming back. That's what, that's what the story is. That's what the guards would tell you. Except 
When you're intentional. And you don't know when your wife is coming out of prison. She has life without parole. And justly so. And you go every weekend. Sometimes with the kids. Sometimes without the kids. Every weekend. For seven years you go. Then she's exonerated. This is too long a story to go into. Okay? This is the story about Larry and Hannah Overton. Usually they tell the story about Hannah Overton. It is every bit as much about Larry. And the testimony that Larry left behind there with the guards and the inmates over there for him to come every weekend for seven years, come rain or shine. Only when he was ill that he couldn't go, that he didn't, that, that he didn't go. Not knowing when the end was coming. As far as he was concerned, it was going to be the rest of his life. This was the commitment that he made. And he purposed, he purposed and was intentional about going every weekend. Boom, starting his car, sometimes on a motorcycle. I admire him to, to no end for that. Because he is a testimony of the love of Christ. Quiet, humble, soft-spoken, non-assuming Christian brother who shows such love. You can't help but be inspired by it. And I want to love like that. Jesus has given us a great example in somebody like that. That loves like that. Jesus has given us a great example of two people like that, Jim and Dorothy, when her mom was getting old, to build her a separate place right behind the house and take care of her when she couldn't take care of herself, and she, she did it. Not that if you don't do it that you don't love your, but sometimes you don't have the opportunity. But they did it. The love of Christ, when things are difficult. My dear brothers and sisters, this is the angle from which I wanted to come today. I'm, 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 I'm just about done. I'm just about done. But, but no sense in just leaving, leaving uh, 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 the rest of it unspoken. Uh, so the number four point is our greatest goal. And it's, 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 it's been pretty much done. Our greatest goal, do, is this a fair statement? Is this, this, this ring in your mind like a fair statement? That for the serious Christian... If you call yourself a Christian, a serious Christian, uh, and Jesus already said it. <laughs> I don't know why I have to say it again. <laughs> he talks about a disciple. Would it be a fair statement to say that for the serious Christian, their greatest goal should be that they would love like Jesus Christ loves? Is that a fair statement? Okay. <laughs> well, okay, you don't have to jump on the pew and start dancing for for the thing that I said, but uh, you could be a little bit more excited about that goal. Uh, and then lastly, lastly, God's training. God gives us 
many opportunities. He either orchestrates and designs them, or sometimes he allows them in our lives. But when God allows something ugly to come in our lives, does he do that sometimes? Okay, thank you. Yes, that means yes. A little conviction. Yes. Uh, he, he, He loves that a lot. Here on earth, that happens a lot. And sometimes he orchestrates a situation to help us for an opportunity to train our love to grow. I have been a coach all my life, pretty much. Since I was 15 years old, I coached tennis. So, as a coach, I know that very well, that your students, there's a lot of training. Gary is teaching karate over here. Karate. Uh, 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 Zaki, come over here for a second. I didn't do it, okay? Can you can give us a little bit of a kata? Can you do it? Oh, you haven't done it in a while. No, 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 just anyone, anyone. Just a, just a few movements. Okay? Need a bit more space. Oh, excuse me, please. No, 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 I hear you. Okay? Yes. Just do the just do the kata. Yeah, just bam. There. There. That's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Huh? So, what belt, what belt do you have? Okay. Okay, okay. So he has a, what you call a, a white belt with one stripe. And he has come to a, 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 a good place of efficiency and effectiveness. But uh, 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 Gary has a brown belt fixing to go to a black belt. So you can imagine what moves that they... So can you imagine how often they have to make this happen? Because that if they make the wrong move, one of the moves that's wrong, he might not pass the test. And Okay. Six more months, maybe go train some more. Uh, and then and, and rep- repetitively, repetitively. So you, 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 you get an opportunity to train. But yet when God gives, gives us training, we balk and complain and bellyache about it. When, when, when an ugly situation comes our way, we don't take it like God is get, allowing a situation for me to get better at loving like Jesus loves. We're thinking, what a lousy person is this? 
I mean, I'm not thinking. I think it's not good. Uh, uh, you know, I, I want to get away from this person. Not realizing this is an opportunity to learn to love more, to love better. This is the training ground for God. He, he wants to teach us to love like he loves. Now, love doesn't mean kissy kissy and goody goody and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's many aspects to it. One of them is also uh, discipline. God disciplines the ones whom he loves. It's very scriptural. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. So, so I want to encourage you to look from, at it from a little bit different perspective. That instead of wasting the opportunity that God provides or that God allows or that God orchestrates, let's not waste it. Let's take it and grow. Let's take it and grow. I'm not there. No problemo. This is not a condemnation scenario over here. One of my spiritual gifts is the gift of encouragement. I say this so I, I, I want to let you know. I'm not here to, to scold you or whatever. I'm here to encourage you. If you say, I'm not here where you're talking about. I'm here. Praise the Lord. Okay? Let's, let's get over here. If you're here, let's get over here. If you're here, let's get over here. That, that's it. That's it. Because this thing about the agape love is a journey. How long have you been doing karate? Say about a year? Okay, so uh, 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 about a year, a little bit less than a year. A year. It's a journey. He's a white belt with one stripe. If he wants to go to the black belt, you know how much longer he has to go. So, so you might be a white belt with one stripe in your journey in agape love. But God wants to take you to a black belt. And then, uh, what, is the, what is the maximum black belt? Seven. The seven degree black belt or whatever you call it. Uh, so, he, he, that's, God wants to take us places. And that we get greater and better at loving one another and loving others out there as well. All right. Preaching is, makes you more tired than tennis. Let's pray.